You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Balkan Bread Podcast. My name's Amina, and thank you guys so much for being here. So it's been a minute since we've recorded an episode, which I feel like has become the theme with literally every other episode that I've recorded recently. It's totally okay. Um, we've kind of been going through and trying to find really impactful, you know, stories and just using this platform in the best way possible. Um, I tried to record things by myself, but I just felt like I wasn't really, I guess, hitting the nail on the head in terms of um, the content and things that people would really want to hear about. But I'm super excited because the story that we're going to be featuring today is something that. I heard about towards the end of last year, and it was really amazing. Um, didn't end up recording anything at that time, but it was recently brought up again. And I'm really glad that I'm able to sit down with these incredible women that you guys are going to hear from and just hear their story, um, where they came from, and also the amazing things that they're doing in their community. So that was kind of a very brief overview. Um, I'm actually going to have all of them introduce themselves in a moment, but I will go ahead and just kind of tell you guys a little bit more about where they came from and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So kind of backtracking a little bit, I think education is going to be a huge theme of today's episode. And I think for us as diaspora, it's something that's really kind of drilled into your brain from a very young age is, you know, you need to go to college, you need to get educated, you need to get a degree. Um, And I think for a good reason, you know, yes, it drives us crazy when we hear our parents saying that all the time, but it's all for good reason. And it's, you know, something that is very important because at the end of the day, you know, your education is something that no one can ever take away from you. So, It is really, really important. And um, yeah, it's kind of the theme of today's episode. So I have five incredible women started this incredible scholarship, um, and it's helping other refugees who were also in a very similar place that a lot of us, you know, from the Balkans were in, you know, over 20 years ago. So I think this is a very, very special scholarship. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how it came into fruition, and also just how you guys can get involved. So I'm going to actually let you guys introduce each of yourselves and kind of go into a little bit more about, you know, where you're from and how you even ended up in the United States to begin with. Okay, so um, I'll go first. My name is Nevena Pehad, and actually my twin sister, Mirna, um, is also part of the scholarship, so um, she'll talk after me. I'll kind of take the lead. Um, 
But a week, I moved to the United States in 2000. We're originally from Zenica, and we um, moved to Germany when the war started and then spent some time there until we um, immigrated to the U.S. in 2000. And we were 11 years old. So um, currently, we just turned 30 this year. But that kind of, and we moved to Tampa, Florida specifically, and we've been here ever since. And then together attended the University of South Florida. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> And my name is Maya Lachevich. I came to the United States with my family in the late 1990s. I'm originally from Sarajevo. Um, both my parents are from there, my, and I have an older sister as well, um, who's four years older than I am. So um, the, I think the original plan was kind of to stay there. We've looked at a couple of other options, including the Australia and South Africa. Um, the United States, I think, got back to us first. But um, when during the war, my father was wounded. So shortly after my father was wounded, we went to Croatia where we have a family home. So we were there for a few months. And then my parents went to Croatia, to Nuremberg. And then my sister and I followed. We were in uh, Germany for a while, went to first and, and second grade and a little bit of school there as well, starting school there. And then it, when the war was over, I think uh, the plan was for people to go back, but there really wasn't very much to go back to, or at least our parents didn't think so at that time. So we were, we applied for the refugee program and were sponsored by an organization in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, which is a very small town in um, kind of like the bluegrass region of Kentucky. And from there, my mother found a job at Moffitt Cancer Center and we came here and Moffitt Cancer Center is where I currently work as a lawyer. Full circle. Yeah, full circle. Hey, sounds like it's maybe our turn. So my name is Ivana, um, and I'm actually here with my sister, Sonia, as well. And um, I'll tell a little bit about our story and then um, hand it over to her. So we are actually originally from Sarajevo as well. And in 1992, uh, right after the very beginning of the conflict is when our family left, um, we actually ended up moving to Moscow, Russia, and living there for five years while the war was uh, happening and then when it came time to decide on you know whether to go back or where to move next we actually had an aunt um, my mother's sister who lived in tampa florida of all places which is where we ended up moving to in 1997 so i was about five when the war started and about um, 10 when we moved to the united states and Zanya was just 15 months old when the conflict started. I'll tell you, I'll let you um, talk a little bit about your point of view, too. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I was uh, 15 months old. So my first memories were in Moscow, actually. We were there until I was six or seven. And yeah, then we moved to the U.S. That's I, I just want to say, I think it's so cool how, you know, everyone kind of came from all over and you guys have lived, you know, in so many different places. But I think it's really interesting how you all, I guess, kind of, um, obviously, some of you are related, but kind of found each other, you know, at this university and decided to um, do something really important. So before we get into, I guess, the details of the scholarship, um, just going back to like education and, you know, that whole perspective. So we all know, um, you know, everyone that was a refugee coming to the United States and all those different like first impressions and how everything is so different from anything that you've ever experienced or seen. But in terms of schooling, um, what were your first impressions of starting school in the United States? 
Sure. This is Maya. Um, I'll go first here. Uh, when we came, we came from the from Germany and a big city, Nuremberg being a, a relatively large city and a bit of a diverse population to Harrodsburg, Kentucky, which um, isn't so so diverse. I mean, um, mm-hmm. many different kinds of diversity, but we were certainly it felt like the only foreigners there. So the organization that sponsored us, Harrodsburg Christian Church. Um, found a tutor for my sister and I. And so I had a German tutor that was teaching me um, English. And so I kind of went there in tandem. Academically speaking, school was uh, a lot a lot easier. I would say a lot less challenging than what we were used to in Germany. But the culture was very, very different. I think, you know, there's such a big emphasis placed on academics and a lot of different academic courses in Europe and certainly in Germany. Um, And it was a little bit different here. So it was nice to see that academically it wasn't as challenging, but culturally it was just so different, especially being in a small place. You know, I had been taking public transportation on my own really since the first grade um, with my sister. And um, suddenly there were school buses and all these other things that are just like other world. And also I'd never really lived in like a rural place before um, Harrodsburg. And so that was just, you know, um, eye opening for me. And this is Mirna. And yeah, I agree. Uh, School was a lot easier compared to Germany just because it was there's not so much emphasis on um, taking such rigorous coursework, I guess. And yeah, so the whole cultural difference, like uh, how you get your lunches and just how you have uh, after school sports incorporated within the school. That was a big change because in Germany, you just had to, you know, sign up for it outside of school. And so that was a good thing that I liked about it. You could do after school sports and all that. So it was just just very like cultural difference uh, a lot, I, I believe. And for context to Mira and I started sixth grade, so middle school mm-hmm. in America. So just overall awkward all the way and I mean just uh, we, we've talked about this before but um, you know here everybody tells you every day you have to wear different clothes which like in Germany you can repeat your outfits but like socially here like oh my god that's not the American way so I mean you have to like know these little cultural things that necessarily we didn't have you know how, how would our parents know that we'd have to just get these pointers from different people um, and I also say just overall educationally in the U.S. you have to really navigate the school system. It's just so much more complicated um, than it was in Germany. It was more straightforward. And like that's something our parents probably didn't know. Then you would need to go, do good in school. But I think applying for college and all these things, um, that's why can we create the scholarship. We wanted to provide those tools for people who weren't familiar with the educational system. Yeah, so um, I, this is Ivana, by the way, I started fifth grade here, and I actually never got to go to school in our home country, but obviously all my schooling was in in Russia, and so the biggest, I would say, change for me was in Moscow, um, the way that the, the school that we went to was structured was just very disciplined, kind of strict on the strict side, and one of the first things I noticed here was in the classroom, things were a lot freer, a little bit less structured. There wasn't as much, you know, an example is um, in Moscow, we were expected to raise our hand to answer a question. And then if the professor called on you, you would have to stand up next to your desk and kind of address them pretty formally. And um, I remember the first few days in school, you know, kids were just answering questions. You know, nobody was really raising their hand. And that was one of the biggest shocks. For me, um, the other thing was, you know, as Maya mentioned, moving from, you know, a city of 12 billion to Tampa at the time was much smaller than it is now. Same kind of, I think, culture shock coming from a really, really large 
a metropolitan city to a smaller city in a different country. Um, and then I remember distinctly uh, going back to that kind of uh, structure. So in, uh, in the schools, we were never allowed to write in books. That was something that was strictly taught. You know, you don't deface your books. And I remember the first day of school, we got our textbooks and, you know, you open the book up and in the cover, you're supposed to write your name. And I just remember asking my classmate three times, are you sure that we are supposed to write in the book? Because I, I just did not believe that she was telling me the truth because we were never allowed to write in books. So it was little things like that. Um, luckily for us, we had been learning English for some years. So that was a pretty easy transition. We came here, you know, fully equipped to speak. And then as Maya and the other um, ladies mentioned, yeah, some of the some of the schoolwork did seem to be a lot simpler. And, um, you know, mathematics, for example, we were taught the things I was being taught maybe a year or two prior even. So I did find that a little less challenging. Yeah. And another thing um, before we continue, I just kind of popped into my head. Um, were there a lot of other, I guess, because we were talking about like how in Kentucky it wasn't obviously as diverse and things like that. But in terms of um, when you guys moved to Tampa, did you find that there were a lot of other like, I guess, former refugees or other like immigrant communities? Or did you guys kind of feel like a little bit of an outcast or what was that whole experience like? Um, this is Birna. I feel like when we got here, because we were placed in an, in an ESOL classroom uh, for English second language to learn a language better, we did meet a lot of uh, other immigrants or um, Hispanic uh, people or, or, you know, from other countries. So I feel like it was much more diverse than we were used to in Germany, for sure. Our school and the area we lived in was uh, very diverse. And so that was very new to us as well, I, I believe. But in Florida, most of the Balkan diaspora is in like Clearwater and St. Mm -hmm. Pete, which is across the bay. So in Tampa, anybody from our region, really, it was just um, much smaller. I mean, in our class, it was just me and my sister. So. Right. Yeah, that was exactly our experience. I don't think, I mean, if we're talking about diversity in terms of people from the Balkans or people who happen to be refugees, I hadn't met anybody else. But I felt that the United States, at least the region we were in, was pretty diverse on its own. I mean, um, probably more diverse than, than the school I was going to in Russia, to be completely honest. I mean, that was all Russians and it was very much uh, kind of uniform. So, I mean, when I moved here, I got to meet a lot of people immediately from very different backgrounds. And for me in Germany, I went to an international school. There were quite a number of um, people from the Balkans, from all of the different countries in the Balkans, and also from the United States, from like other areas. So I'd kind of gotten used to that level of diversity where that really wasn't there, um, as, at least as far as like nationality and different languages in Kentucky. You know, having the German tutor for me was like such a huge lifeline. My sister, being four years older, had a better command of the English language. And then moving to Tampa, um, the, really there wasn't as much because by that point I wasn't in like an English as a second language kind of program. And it wasn't really until I met like Ivana that I really connected with someone from our region. And I would say, you know, starting this scholarship, the five of us have kind of like established our group and probably the strongest connection that I've had here in the United States to back home and the Balkans out of any friend group I've ever had. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, same here. That's awesome. I mean, I think this is really incredible. And to me, it's always interesting because I remember growing up 
there weren't too many other people like from the Balkans that I went to school with just because where I lived, like most of the Bosnians here in Georgia live in Lawrenceville, which is like an hour and a half away from where I grew up. So I wasn't super, you know, surrounded by those people like in school at least. And so I was always close with um, people from other countries, like some of my best like childhood friends growing up, they were from Ukraine and we lived in the same subdivision and we were in the same grade. And so I'd always hang out with them and they're still like some of my closest friends today. So it's just interesting how, we kind of find our groups, you know, whether it's with people from the Balkans or people that have just been through similar experiences and similar things. So I think it's really awesome that you guys were able to connect with each other and, you know, still have that friendship for years to come. So I'm going to actually skip this third question that I had because I really want to get into talking more about the scholarship and everything like that. So I guess if we want to give a brief overview of the scholarship and how you guys kind of came together and started it. All right, so this is uh, Nevena. So I uh, work at the University of South Florida at the Foundation for Young Alumni Engagement in Philanthropy. So just uh, having started uh, working at USF and figuring out how everything was working, how we were asking alumni to contribute back philanthropically, um, I knew that you could, I just learned that you could establish scholarships. And then um, I was just talking and reaching out to different alumni and Maya's name uh, kept coming up as somebody else who was Bosnian and they would always say, do you know her? And actually when I was in college, um, I had a professor who, uh, we both studied international studies, but Maya's older than me. And this professor who was helping manage my thesis would always talk super highly about Maya. He'd say, you're good at writing, but do you know this other Bosnian, Maya Latovic? Who is this girl? So I did not know her. I um, knew of her through this professor. And then um, when we started USF, her name uh, got brought up. And then um, I reached out to her. Is that is that how yeah. it was? Yeah. And then we met up and um, just really clicked and hit it off. And um, she had this idea to start something. And you invited um, me to the concert. And invited her to um, a concert, Pastor Stewart, because um, she was already donating back to USF. And then Ivana came to the concert and Nita um, as well. And we went signing through that and just were like, let's, maybe we could do something. Maybe we could um, support women. We all talked about our, his similar experience of going to college and really feeling education was um, something that was super important to us, but also feeling we wished we had more connections and a way to navigate, especially higher education and college and felt, felt like we could have uh, more support and networking if we knew somebody or received any scholarships um, that were specific to being an immigrant or refugee. And so we're like, why don't we um, see what it would take for us to establish this? And something that we felt was very unique to our experience, I feel like there's a lot of scholarships out there that are for your first generation. So, you know, your first generation in college or your first generation, but, you know, you were born here in the United States. For us, like, you know, we felt that there wasn't really anything that spoke to the kind of experience that we had as being, you know, foreign born, either going through many different, whether the immigrant process, refugee process, however it is that we came here, that was an experience that was unique to us, which presented a lot of challenges that I think even uh, the first generation wouldn't necessarily have. And 
having to navigate that kind of on our own um, with our parents doing really the best they can. And we all credit a lot mm-hmm. to our parents and, and who they are and in making us who we are. But we just felt like that was kind of the bond that we had and that was what we wanted to establish. And we felt like because, you know, we were not first generation college students because all of our parents have attended college. So it was kind of a different, we couldn't quite match with that side. So it's like our parents didn't know anything though about the education system, higher education here. So in, in a sense, it's almost like we were first generation because they really had nothing they could like help us with knowledge wise just because they didn't go through it. So that was like the other struggle. And we felt like providing a support system for that would be something good to do. No, that's awesome. I love that so much. And like you said, I was going to say, like, you know, I've seen other scholarships out there for, you know, first generation and things like that, but there aren't very many that are specific, you know, to the experiences that, you know, you guys went through and a lot of other people from this region also went through. Um, So I think it's awesome just to have that initiative and that desire to, you know, help other people. And I think that's very natural. You know, you've been through it. So it's like, why not help someone else, you know, who is kind of in a similar situation and give them that opportunity and that chance, you know, kind of almost that, uh, what's the right word, but it's like that factor that it's really going to make a difference um, for them in terms of pursuing their education and things like that. So that's amazing. Um, and then when was this, like what year, like how many years ago um, when you guys decided at least that you wanted to start the scholarship? So it was about one year ago that we first kind of had the initial conversations. So just a little bit over a year, we had our first scholar awarded. But one of the things that was very important to us that I think is important that we mention is our scholarship is housed within USF Women in Leadership and Philanthropy. But what that does is it ensures that it's a female recipient. That was very important to us as well. And for us, more so than the monetary, um, you know, uh, what we were doing with the scholarship, we wanted to give the student a experience within WLP, which also includes mentorship, leadership training, philanthropy training, and gives you gives whoever the recipient is each year this ability to grow in so many ways that are more than just financial. So kind of going through all of the logistics, sitting down, you know, planning all of this, you know, Ivana is amazing at organization too. And having Navana as a resource there at the university just really kind of like helped be like, okay, we can do this. Um, and from there, it just kind of came alive. And exactly. It was a- oh, sorry. I, I, no, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you know, education is so much more than the classes you attend, as we all know, right? It's that network, the mentorship Maya mentioned. So we wanted to really provide that added layer and we felt with the five of us being in very different professions and, uh, you know, having been in Tampa for some time being established, we could do that for them professionally uh, because we do have the ability to meet the scholar uh, with the scholarship, which was also important to us. Yeah, that is exactly what I was going to say. It was important to provide connections to the scholarship recipient within us meeting them as well, as well as providing in the network of the WLP. So the more people they get to know, the more connections they have, the better they will be set up in the future. And we really wanted to provide that as well as the monetary part of it. Mm-hmm. And I want to mention too that um, within our profession, so we have a lawyer, engineer, architect, I work in nonprofit, uh, even as instructional designer. But uh, Sanya also didn't attend USF. So all of us are alumni, Sanya is, isn't. Uh, she went to the Illinois Institute of Technology. 
And so I think that's huge too, because it's a connection outside of just somebody having gone to a, a local university. So it gives it gives that uh, scholarship recipient also a broader view of who's supporting them. Got it. Got it. No, thank you for that clarification. Um, I did not mention that earlier, but that's really good to know. And I think you know, building these connections is really the difference um, when it comes to, you know, whatever it is that you want to do and whatever profession or career or industry that, you know, you're interested in. It really sometimes just is like that popular saying that it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Of course, you do need to know, you know, a great deal of things. But at the end of the day, um, when it comes to different opportunities, you know, having these connections, you know, even with this scholarship, just using that as an example of how you guys, you know, brought it to life and created it. I think if one of you were to just go at it alone, you know, you probably could have still made it happen, but it would have been maybe a little bit more challenging rather than, you know, having these other people, you know, back you up and really help you out with whatever um, little details and things that you had to figure out. So kind of goes into, the second part of that question, so talking about any challenges that you guys faced along the way, you know, in terms of, I'm not entirely sure how the process works, but, you know, getting it approved by the university and, you know, things like that, what kind of hurdles did you guys have to jump through? I think that um, us agreeing on the criteria and those items, um, we fair, we all work as a team really well together, so that wasn't so much of a challenge. That university again, WOP is really supportive, and they want um, their young alumni if they want to contribute to establish a scholarship. There's a process that's fairly straightforward, um, and it is flexible. The one thing that I do think is a challenge that obviously this is something we'd want to talk about is that we obviously are limited in how much we can give, um, and really wanting to get the scholarship to go on forever. Um, it needs to be an endowed scholarship, which means um, the university invests that money and interest spins off so that it can go on forever and be awarded forever. And that's where um, we have started um, to, fu to fundraise from the community and people who care so we can get it to that endowment level. And we've made a lot of strides with that, which also has been incredible to people to be really supportive of it. And then again, increases a network of um, people supporting a scholarship, which means a lot more to the recipients because it's us who started it but it's a lot of people are supporting it and have contributed um even thus far so that's something i think the biggest challenge is like getting it more out there and getting into that um endowment level yeah and, and also sharing kind of our story in a positive way i think you know within the refugee mm -hmm. community and within you know uh, it's such a powerful community and very rarely do you see people making excuses. But for us, we wanted to be very, very action based and show, hey, look, you know, even though we're all very young and all starting out in our careers, we're still kind of able to give back. Um, and we're able to do this through fundraising, through leveraging, matching contributions at the companies we work at, and really kind of researching and putting in a lot of effort into something that we thought was very productive and a legacy that we wanted um, to leave and something that we wanted to share. And, you know, the five of us, once you see us, we can be a little bit overwhelming as a group, but <laughs> we have an incredible first scholar that she's, she's amazing. She's a Syrian refugee. Um, so meeting her and then like kind of getting to know her and getting to know kind of the population out there that's applying for our scholarship. We do want to continue fundraising, but we also want to get the word out there that this is available as a resource for people that are going to USF, that they can apply to this, that they do kind of fit um, our criteria of being 
female, um, either a naturalized or um, a, a foreign-born, a refugee, or having some sort of foreign-born status. And meeting our scholar, I would say it was both um, sad that her story is similar to ours, but also I felt like we at least were making a difference in being able to relate to her and showing her like where we are in our careers and lives and um, providing her those connections um, and, you know, being a support system for her. I think that was just truly meaningful. Um, so that makes us just want to push more and um, get the word out there. Definitely. And since, so of course this was established very recently and kind of answered the next question that I had for you guys, but in terms of, just like applicants, did you have a lot of people apply for the scholarship or did you feel like it was something that, um, you know, getting the word out and stuff, not that many people knew about it? So what's a wonderful about establishing it through the university is that um, because, of, you know, tax laws, we set the criteria, but the university and uh, USF Women in Leadership and Philanthropy take care of finding a scholarship recipient and awarding it. Um, so that is... Um, they have to put it out there. It goes through one system where all students can apply and whoever's eligible and then is made aware. And this um, committee um, of WOP members, uh, they make the decision of who gets awarded to. So we essentially just kind of find out if somebody's met the criteria. And that's why our criteria is pretty broad. It has to be somebody who um, excels uh, in academics, um, but it really has to be a new American. So somebody who's either refugee or has immigrated here, um, but other than that, it's pretty broad because, again, making the criteria too specific, you run into the issue of seeing if anybody's eligible. So we, we're fortunate that we just find out who our recipient is. Um, yeah. And that's okay. the benefit of, I think, doing it through university, too. You don't have to have that um, pressure mm -hmm. on having to choose somebody. It also makes it exciting because, you know, you're not selecting your own recipient. You kind of created this, like, little dream and criteria then you find out and surprise, here's this amazing young woman that kind of sees herself in you and you see yourself in her and you can grow together. And, you know, we hope to be able to do that with as many scholars as we award in the future. And I'd say one of the things that stood out to me when we met her the first time was this goes back to uh, talking about how there aren't a lot of scholarships or weren't before that we noticed that really fit who we were, right? So we're now first generation um, to go to college. We're not first generation born Americans. And one of the first things she said to us was, well, when I used to search for scholarships, there really wasn't much that fit me. And then one day this popped up and I couldn't believe it. And that was very powerful for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think also it's important to stay, say is all of us really went to college on merit-based um, scholarships. Mm -hmm. We knew that we wanted to go to college, but obviously one of the challenges that is a huge challenge for someone that isn't born here is, you know, your parents aren't signing up for some sort of prepaid program when you're born because you weren't really born here and you didn't anticipate this large life-changing event. So for us going to college, we knew that it was going to have to be, we were going to have to work harder, just as hard as everyone else and not harder and find a way to finance it through merit-based scholarships because we don't fit your mm -hmm. tradi traditional diversity boxes. So we would, so that was kind of also a motivating, motivating factor. Exactly. I would agree with that, except I'd also say that, um, you know, even people who aren't from immigrant backgrounds struggle with this. I think that's why the student loan debt is where it's at in this country today. So it's, it's always difficult, I think, to finance education, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's 
I always say, you know, there's so many scholarships you can apply for and there's so many things that you can do. But I think at the end of the day, it is about creating these opportunities that are very specific because Mm -hmm. what I've found um, just in applying and obviously since graduating college, but right when I got out of high school and just applying to these different scholarships, um, I found that if you apply to the ones that are, you know, very specific and, you know, not necessarily like going to be the most amount of work, but just something that like you guys are saying, you know, she couldn't find something that she fit the criteria for. So something that is a little bit more narrow based and you know that not that many people might be qualified for it and not that many people are necessarily going to apply. So, you know, from the get go that you have a little bit of a better chance um, just, you know, in that scholarship and in becoming, you know, hopefully a recipient or even like a finalist in it and that kind of thing. So it's all about creating these different opportunities for people is so important and absolutely agree with what you guys are saying about just navigating the education system here in general, because I know from the get-go, and I definitely don't blame my parents for this at all, because obviously they didn't grow up here, they didn't go to school here, you know, they didn't know how it worked, and neither did I, so it was very much so a learning process, and honestly, it was me most of the time figuring out everything that I would need, and then just going to my parents for whatever forms they might have, and kind of figuring it out as I went. Um, So luckily, I'm pretty organized, and I'm good at finding out information and things like that, but it's still difficult. It's still so hard um, within school. And I think this is something a lot of diaspora can relate to. And I'm just like ranting here. But in college, like, take all these classes, even you do your best to plan everything out and plan out, you know, what classes you need to take going to an advisor and then realizing, oh, my God, I didn't take that one class or just all these little discrepancies in the education system that I feel like are so prevalent and kind of need to be addressed. I think it's really great to see things like this kind of pop out of nowhere and be like, oh, wow, you know, that's kind of like a shining light, like something, you know, I might qualify for that could help me out in the long run, because, you know, college is hard, there is no easy way out or around it, I would say everyone kind of has their own series of challenges that they have to go through. So it's like, putting yourself in the position of someone um, who would be a recipient of this scholarship, I think is also really important um, for everyone that's listening to this, you know, just think about that and think about being in their shoes, you know, this is something that can make such a huge difference in their lives and kind of goes into the next point. So talking more about how people can get involved. So right now I'm on the website and $3,955 have been raised. So we're 40% of the way towards the $10,000 goal, which is insane. I mean, we're slowly getting there. There's 33 more days left as we're recording this. So it'll be a little bit less once this episode is up, which will be very soon. But I'm going to let you guys kind of explain how everyone listening can get involved with supporting this scholarship. So I would say everyone listening, if you could make a contribution um, to our um, scholarship of any amount, it would really, truly help um, to get us to the goal of $10,000 and then get it um, closer to being endowed as a scholarship. And then um, I think, Amina, you will link uh, the website, but Mm -hmm. it is just usf.to forward slash new American. 
And then you can also watch uh, um, live video, of course, where um, the video starts with us drinking coffee. So, you know, that's for the culture. <laughs> yes. um, but it kind of just explains that our scholarship recipients featured in a video, too. And just really, truly any amount that you are able to contribute, um, any listener, any amount, it really makes a huge difference. And just as more people contribute, that just shows to the scholarship recipients how, how much support there is behind it. And that is certainly something we will share with each scholarship recipient, how much more support there is outside the five of us. And then, uh, and Mina, I also want to thank you and Balkan Bread for also already making a donation. That's incredibly appreciated. And what we also want to do is we also want to encourage, of course, we're continuing to fundraise to get to our goal of endowment, but we're hoping that by sharing our story, we will inspire more people to want to do something similar because, you know, even though you're, we're early and starting out in our career, it's, I think, very doable to do something similar to what we did and to kind of find a group of similarly minded people that want to give back and make a difference and start like their philanthropic giving early in life. Mm-hmm. I think contact your university, find out what their process is. Um, somebody will be there to help you and guide you through it. And as a group, it brings you like so much closer together because you think you're doing something very purposeful. And I feel like it seemed uh, so impossible to do by yourself. But then definitely um, as we came together and as I, we were, I was approached by Maya and Nevena about this idea, as a whole group together, it seems like such more of an possible thing and so I, I originally never thought it'd be possible for me to do a scholarship like this but um with all of us together it definitely is so if you feel like it's overwhelming by yourself maybe try to find a group of people uh like-minded individuals that you can come together with and they can help you out with that so one other thing that i think listeners can do in addition to donating which we of course hope very much that you do if you can is if you find your story compelling sharing the link on your social media sites, sharing it with your friends and family that you think might be interested in hearing, um, you know, sharing this podcast. Once you hear it, I think um, getting the word out there is, is one way you can certainly help us meet our goal. Yay. That's awesome. And yes, I'm going to link everything. Um, so everything will be like in the top line of the podcast description. So you can go through and follow the links. Donating is really simple. Um, it took me, I think, like less than five minutes to donate. So definitely, definitely do that because I was doing some math over here. So with like the average amount of listeners we have like per episode, if everyone donates at least $5, that's already $2,775, which would definitely bring us a lot closer to the goals. So if you're listening and you have literally $5 to spare, I think that would make such a huge difference to this. Um, There's always strength in numbers. So even if you know you can't make a huge contribution, that's totally okay. I think every little bit helps with this. And I hope that, you know, once you do donate, you'll have, you know, this sense of gratitude for, you know, making a contribution and hopefully making a difference, you know, in someone's life later on. Talking to all of these really cool people that we have on the podcast and even just receiving different emails, you know, from people really all over the country and all over the world in some cases it seems to me that everyone is trying to make a difference and trying to do something and, you know, has some kind of really cool initiative, which I think is really great. But the problem with that is you don't hear enough about these things and you don't hear enough about, you know, all the great things that are happening. And I think if we would all just kind of come together and really stay connected, and this is pretty much what Balkan Bread is all about, is just connecting everyone um, 
then we can make a huge difference and, you know, make more scholarships like this. I don't think this has to be the only one that's available for people, you know, who are in this kind of situation. So anyway, that's my little like spiel on everything. But anyway, thank you guys so much for being on this podcast episode. And to everyone listening, remember to click the link in the description to make your donation. I will also have a link to the video that they mentioned as well as an article which goes a little bit more in depth on each of their stories. There's some really cute pictures in there too. So everything will be linked in the description notes. And Also, for all of you listening, if you're interested in being featured on an upcoming episode or you have an idea or know someone that would want to get involved with us and get their story heard, you can send an email to hello at balkanbread.com with the subject line podcast. So thank you, ladies, again for being on this episode. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us, Amina, and uh, to everybody out there listening, too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.